how much of a factor do you believe the trouble with the bridge gate was a factor in you not getting picked for vice president? I'm sure it was a factor. Uh, how big? You'd have to ask him, but I'm sure it was a factor. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christy Tracker Podcast. I am embarrassed and humiliated by the conduct of some of the people on my team. Chris can't win because of his past, and I don't believe you've heard the last of the George Washington Bridge. I'm David First, and yeah, we went on a long vacation after Chris Christie dropped out of the presidential race and endorsed Donald Trump back in February. But we have returned from our self-imposed exile on the Jersey Shore, and notice that while the governor has changed his position on some things. When he says that he's going to build a wall, please, 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 not a wall on the entire 2,000-mile border, okay? And he's going to make Mexico pay for it. It's too expensive, and it makes no sense. The answer is he will do it. Um, The fact fact is that he's going to have to answer that question, and he will. He has remained remarkably consistent on one issue. I've been investigated by everybody for the last three years. We've had three investigations an internal investigation that I ordered, an investigation by a very partisan Democratic legislature, and an investigation by federal prosecutors. No one has ever been able to prove that I knew anything or had any role in this, and this trial will just confirm that. Well, now the trial has begun for former Christie staffer Bridget Ann Kelly and Bill Baroni, the former deputy executive director of the Port Authority, and Chris Christie's name is coming up a lot in federal court in Newark. So, kicking off Season 2 of the podcast, we are joined once again by WNYC's Matt Katz and Andrea Bernstein, who are witnessing every minute of this trial unfold. Welcome back. Hey, David. Great to be back, David. And can I just say to start off, anyone who thought this trial was maybe going to be a dry... Uh, sort of restrained affair, was really in for an eye-opener right there on the first day. Matt, is this the most Jersey trial ever? Oh, man, David, we already have patronage and secret FBI informants and crazy, crazy courtroom cursing, revenge, political intimidation, uh, all levels of alleged government corruption. I mean, it is A high watermark for the worst stereotypes of New Jersey, for sure. And it really got started in that first hour on day one when it was alleged by the prosecutors that Chris Christie had this conversation with Bill Baroni and David Wildstein at Ground Zero during the lane closures, during the famous 2013 lane closures in Fort Lee. The men are all at a Ground Zero ceremony for the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, and they have this conversation where... The prosecutors allege Baroni and Wildstein bragged, quote, bragged to Christie about the traffic in Fort Lee and bragged to Christie about the fact that they were ignoring phone calls, emails, text messages from the mayor of Fort Lee, who was worried about public safety, Uh, knocked everybody's socks off in the courtroom. And it really just continued from there. It was remarkable. Andrea, you know, while the presidential campaign is heading into this final stretch, there's this huge sideshow going on in a New Jersey courtroom. Why do people find this so compelling? It's such a dramatic story. I mean, it's, you know, Hamlet meets American Hustle. It is, uh, you know, about a king and his court and Jersey Baby. You know, what could be better? I mean, I think that it's a fascinating story because Chris Christie is such an intriguing figure. 
And also because, you know, Chris Christie is Donald Trump's transition chair. He is picking the people, staffing a potential Trump administration while two of his former top staffers were on trial and a third one is being painted with a very, very ugly brush. What does all of this mean for Chris Christie and his involvement in the 2016 presidential election? He he has already said that he believes Bridgegate had a role in him getting snubbed for VP. Right. He just said that recently. And not only is it the the Bridgegate issue, although interestingly, Donald Trump during the primary said Christie totally knew about Bridgegate. The George Washington Bridge. He knew about it. Hey, how do you have breakfast with people every day of your lives? They're closing up the largest bridge in the world, the biggest in the United States, traffic flowing during rush hour. People couldn't get across for six, seven hours. Ambulances, fire trucks. They're with them all the time, the people that did it. They never said, hey, boss, uh, we're closing up the George Washington Bridge tonight. No, they never said. They're talking about the weather, right? <laughs> then, so they, he knew about it. He, he knew about it. He totally knew about it. But now he says that uh, he stands by Chris Christie and he values his loyalty. So Chris Christie continues to have this job of transition chair. He's traveling down to Washington. He's interviewing people. He's looking at resumes. Uh, He is in this sensitive position of putting together a potential Trump administration, which, you know, could happen. The public is refocusing on this now, and, uh, and so is the press. And uh, it may mean that Christie plays a, a more low-key role as, as Trump's surrogate if he goes on national TV and people start asking these things. The other interesting piece of this, the, the Jared Kushner piece, is not to be discounted. Jared Kushner, this is Donald Trump's son-in-law, uh, was widely reported to have been opposed to Chris Christie for vice president. And Chris Christie, when he was U.S. attorney, put Jared Kushner's father, Charles Kushner, in jail. He is uh, not a particular fan of Chris Christie, uh, by all accounts. And in addition to that, there is this connection that came up, uh, as defense attorneys described it yesterday, as a a longstanding relationship between David Wildstein uh, and Jared Kushner. So it's not clear when that relationship broke off. We may learn more about that at the trial, if indeed it did break off. One of the interesting curiosities will be to see how long was David Wildstein communicating with Jared Kushner? And, and what information did he give Jared Kushner about what Chris Christie might have been doing or known about while Chris Christie was governor? So, Matt, take us behind the scenes. What is it like in the courtroom? Well, we got to get there like six in the morning, crack a dawn to get online. There's a very limited number of seats. And then you go inside and uh, there's a small number of family members of the defendants, not very many Uh, Bill Baroni's parents come every single day, and then the rest of the room is filled with press. There's uh, two or three dozen of us, and it is a very... it's a strict environment. I'm a political reporter. You know, I'm used to like kind of loose situations, town hall meetings, uh, retail stops at, at the diners. I'm not used to being told to be quiet by a federal court judge in black robe. Well, it's a very tight ship. And uh, you found out about that uh, the hard way. I certainly did, David. I almost I almost went away for a long time. <laughs> so you're not allowed to use the Internet in the courtroom. I was sort of using the internet. Let's just say that. I was using a website. 
as a reference point for a story I was working on, and uh, I got busted by the U.S. Marshals, who are the people who patrol federal court. I was taken to a special room. My computer was confiscated for an hour and 45 minutes, which, as a reporter on deadline, was sort of... I think I lost some years off my life during that hour and 45 minutes. And I sat in this room, and all I could do was stare at the what was in front of me in this little office that the U.S. Marshals have in the courthouse. And what was I staring at? But a poster for a 1998 movie with Wesley Snipes called U.S. Marshals. I will be seated in a special place. I'm like in the, I'm like a, a, in the dunce corner for the rest of the trial so they can monitor me. And if I mess up again, going to Guantanamo Bay. No, uh, they're just uh, going to kick me out for the rest of the trial. I'm quite certain that from now on that will be referred to as Katz's Corner. <laughs> That's right. It's also Katz and the U.S. Marshals who are on either side of me. I'm going to be like one of those, look like one of those prisoners who's being transported via airplane. Nearly every quote from this trial that I saw, certainly on day one, needed to come with a not safe for work warning. In particular, the descriptions of David Wildstein, former Christie appointee at the Port Authority, who has already pleaded guilty to federal charges. The descriptions of David Wildstein were uh, colorful. The defense attorney for Bill Baroni, Mike Baldessari, got up and just started listing all the adjectives that people have called David Wildstein who have worked with him. And it was sort of shocking. It began with vicious guy and then went to bully Okay, fine. And then it went to a word that begins with an A that we're not allowed to say on public radio. And then it went to uh, a word that begins with a P. And then it went to um, he's Mr. Wolf from the movie Pulp Fiction, the Harvey Keitel character who cleans up the bodies. And there was also words like um, vindictive and uh, a phrase like individual who will destroy your life. It was like jaw dropping the description and the words used to describe David Wildstein in the courtroom, in open court with a, a lot of cursing. Now, is the jury freaked out at all by the use of language? Yeah, they sort of look like a, a bunch of deer in headlights. They, they don't like recoil. Um, they didn't really react but they do have this sense about them, and maybe I'm projecting, but there is this sense about them that they are like, what have we gotten ourselves into for the next six weeks? What was really surprising to me was the level of communication that the defense attorneys outlined between, as they said, Christopher J. Christie and David Wildstein. At one point, the lawyer for Bill Baroni said, when Christie put David Wildstein in the Port Authority, he knew exactly what he was doing. And this is after outlining David Wildstein's history of dirty tricks, ranging from secretly throwing away a rival's petition so he couldn't get on the ballot to run for office, to stealing uh, the late U.S. Senator Frank Lautenberg's jacket at a debate so that he would make Senator Lautenberg uncomfortable, and then keeping that as a trophy. So when the defense attorneys say Christopher J. Christie knew exactly what he was doing when he sent David Wildstein to the Port Authority, that is a very different picture from the one that Chris Christie has painted of their interactions. Matt, if Governor Christie's name is getting dragged into this uh, by the prosecution and by both defense attorneys, why wasn't he charged? Andrew and I have been talking about this uh, to, a, to a great extent over the last couple of days. The U.S. attorney 
didn't think that he could get a conviction. He would have charged anybody whom he thought he could get a conviction. And I think all of us as observers and journalists have to believe that. That's what he's told us. There is been a sense among prosecutors we've spoken to in this country that it is harder to get a, a political corruption conviction in federal court these days. The bar is higher. The governor of Virginia, former governor of Virginia, his corruption conviction just got thrown out by the Supreme Court. And, you know, if you're going to take a shot at the king, you best not miss. But they're still clearly taking some shots at the king during the trial. There's no question about it, but it also fits into their prosecutorial strategy against the two defendants. They- can say whatever they want to say when they think they're presenting evidence to convict the two people that are currently on trial. And that evidence may make Governor Christie look horrible, but it is very tough to convict for political corruption, particularly in New Jersey. You have to go back to that Hamilton line. Everything is legal in New Jersey. An awful lot is. Except for using the internet in a courtroom. (laughs) (laughs) Except for using the internet in the courtroom. WNYC's Matt Katz and Andrea Bernstein, you'll uh, both be following every minute of this trial and we'll continue to keep you updated on WNYC and here on the Christie Tracker. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, David. Christy Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. Special thanks to Corey Goldberg at WBGO. You can subscribe to Season 2 of the podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00, that is Matt, K-A-T-Z, and Andrea Bernstein at Andrea WNYC. I'm David First, and Governor, with Bridgegate back in the news, what would you like us to focus on this week? All right, so earlier this season, I'm at a Mets-Phillies game in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. The Mets. Right. Right.